0: hello and welcome to this week's episode of the total experience podcast from tribal london a podcast about brand experience what it is how it works and how we can all do it better my name is richard cable and i'm head of content here at tribal if you're enjoying the show we'd love it if you took a moment to rate us and share to help us reach an even wider audience this episode we're looking at disability and specifically how programs like leonard cheshire's Change 100 are helping more people with disabilities to bring their skills and life experiences to careers in marketing, and how the experience of working in lockdown has opened up more opportunities for people with disabilities.
1: Hi, my name is Verity Ailing smith I'm the Training and Consultancy Advisor at Leonard Cheshire, uh, one of the UK's largest disability charities.
2: My name is Priyanka D'Souza. I'm a user researcher for Gov.uk Companies House. I took part in the 2019 cohort of Change 100, and my placement was at Tribal Worldwide.
0: We're really interesting to hear from you both about what challenges people with disabilities have faced with working in marketing.
1: Just generally in terms of work and employment, I think certainly we see there's a lack of understanding of what disability is and what disability means. Um, diversity and inclusion are you know, vital parts of any business. But I think disability has often been a topic that organisations have shied away from because you know, everyone worries about saying the wrong thing. And it's certainly when we think about protected characteristics or diversity and inclusion, often we see things like um, gender or LGBTQ plus rights being sort of at the forefront of the agenda. And I feel that disability often is sort of a a topic which isn't considered at the forefront. So I think the first challenge is a sort of understanding from organisations that disability is a very normal and a very common thing. And then sort of promoting that kind of inclusive culture and agenda to ensure that disabled people when looking for work or when in employment can do their jobs really effectively, they get access to the support or guidance that they um, require if they're facing barriers at work, or they're, you know, they're able to access the recruitment processes in the first place. Um, Because I think a lot of particularly graduate recruitment in this country, isn't very accessible for um, disabled job seekers?
2: I think one of uh, the concerns I had was I I knew that I was able to get stuff done, but um, because I use assistive technology, um, I wasn't sure how that would work in an office environment. My real area of interest was user experience um, and accessibility. Um, And that's how I ended up in experience design at Tribal. There are so many different accessibility needs that people have. Everything from visual impairment to um, motor to to people with um, cognitive differences. So um, whether that's autism, dyslexia, ADHD, there's loads of things that will affect someone's experience, both of the web and the world.
0: I used to work at the BBC and there were a lot of people with well, certainly with visible disabilities, who worked there. And I think it was a very aggressive policy by the BBC to bring people in who had disabilities to represent the whole spread of the B- of the BBC's audience, giving disabled people agency rather than, than trying to speak for them. Moving into marketing... It's like everybody disappeared. (laughs) There are very, very few people with, certainly with visible disabilities, um, working in marketing. And I wonder, I mean, that can't be because nobody with with a visible disability is interested in being a marketeer. There must be something else at play there. And I was just wondering if you wanted to talk about why some of those challenges persist
1: yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think you raise an important point about the visibility of disability because I think disability is is much more prevalent than, than people realise. It's a very, very common fact of life. Um, I think the latest government statistics state that 21% of the UK population has a disability. I'm sure it's actually likely to be much higher because that figure relies on people self-identifying with having a disability. And, you know, lots of people who might have a condition or an impairment, might not choose to call themselves disabled or share that information willingly. All of those individuals could potentially face barriers in the workplace um, or in accessing services, like the BBC, for example. Um, And it's our duty as employers or service providers to remove those things. So I think it's interesting that just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not there. And I think when you think about visible disability in the workplace it's also an element of how much does that person want to share with their their fellow employees or their colleagues how much is it actually relevant for them to do their job do they require adjustments if not then they're probably going to keep it to themselves and that's also okay um, so it's a really interesting it's a really interesting question
0: Do you feel like an unconscious bias is still an issue, or is it something that we're past and it's just a question of putting people in the way of opportunity?
1: As employers, we have a a duty to make adjustments, not just for people in work, but when we're recruiting as well. So we have to ensure that our recruitment processes are as accessible and as inclusive as possible, so that everyone is able to participate in that process and can show themselves show their skills um, and show how they can do the job most effectively so people employers have to make adjustments at assessment or recruit any recruitment stage so it's quite it's it's disappointing when we hear that organizations aren't being proactive in doing that because not only are they not potentially fulfilling that duty and they're making it harder for a disabled individual who might be facing barriers in that process to show the best of their ability. But also they're missing out on fantastic, talented people because they haven't made these changes. So I think the latest statistic says something like 80% of non-disabled people in the UK are in full-time employment compared to, I think it's 50-something percent of disabled people in the UK who are in full-time employment, I think the gap is around 25%. Anyway, so there is a gap of 25%. And there is no logical reason why that gap exists apart from the fact that we're not working and recruiting in inclusive or accessible ways. And that's essentially why Change 100 exists to address that gap.
0: But it'd be really interesting to know where Lena Cheshire's mission comes from and why Change 100 is a, is a good answer to that.
1: So Leonard Cheshire, we're one of the UK's largest disability charities. We work in the UK and internationally, and our mission is to support disabled people to live, learn and work as independently as they choose, whatever their ability. So Change 100 certainly falls under the work category of uh, Leonard Cheshire's mission. It was set up, I think, seven years ago to address that disability employment gap and essentially it's a professional development program for disabled students and graduates in the UK it's a really competitive program and it's for Really talented students and graduates who are expected to get or have already achieved a 2-1 or above at university um, in any degree uh, discipline. And essentially, we then match those individuals up with partner employers across the UK. It could be any sector, any role. Uh, We've worked with people like the BBC and Tribal, we've worked with um, NHS trusts, we've worked with local authorities, we've worked for car manufacturers. Um, any organisation who wishes to participate. And then we match up candidates with those roles in areas where we think their skills could really develop and thrive.
0: So Priyanka's a bit of a rock star for having got on Change 100 in the first place.
1: It's a really, really
2: competitive (laughs) programme. Yeah, I remember um, at the assessment centre, like people's, when we had to each do a presentation, like people's stories Mm. were all so
1: amazing.
0: How many um, interns do you place across the marketing industry?
1: i'd say a lot of our interns or our candidates are really interested in working in marketing or communications for example and so we do have so much interest in those areas i think stereotypically speaking i think marketing or comms are seen as quite sort of buzzy fast paced creative industries um i'd say in a in a small way as well that might be a slight challenge as well for individuals not seeing it as accessible or as inclusive Um, people perhaps might have reservations about working somewhere that's incredibly fast-paced if they're you know entering a grad role and they are managing a disability for the first time in a working environment that might be off-putting or the language used in job descriptions that talks about the the buzziness and the jumping from one thing to the next that's fantastic for some people I know that suits a lot of people but perhaps in terms of reaching a diverse pool of candidates, that might pose some challenges for some people or some people might struggle to see themselves in that work environment.
2: And as part of our life experiences, we've had to be creative and adaptable and resilient, like incredibly resilient to get through what we've to get through. And I think like um, employers can massively benefit from us having sort of this diversity of life experience and having seen the world in a different way, because we'll often have to interact with things differently and find completely novel ways of doing things, which can be useful in times like this, where everyone has to do things differently. Because for us, we've always done things differently
0: that's a really really good point. It literally is that kind of cookie-cutter thinking that I think is the is is almost like the death of creativity. You want you want the outsiders, you want the people who've had that different life experience in the mix because they will bring something that is unexpected and different and that challenges your bubble. And I think one of the very easy things for for people inside agencies to do is get trapped in a bubble where they assume the rest of the world thinks like they do, and and literally none of the rest of the world thinks like they do. Um, so yeah, I would I would heartily endorse it. How did you find? Just you know, out of matter of curiosity, how did you find tribal?
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely from um, the experience design team. I really appreciated how um, people um, actively sort of welcomed my experiences with because we're developing websites, um, and part of that um, related to sort of emerging technologies um, like um, voice and um, I've been using speech recognition um, for around a decade just as an assistive technology and I used it intensively at university and built loads of scripts to automate things to make my life easier because if a computer can do it why are you doing it Um, yeah so um it's really cool um and I thought uh, the UX team um I think they really championed um inclusive design um as good design for everyone. Um and yeah I was just I really appreciated that um that my um life experiences and um sort of understanding of accessibility was valuable. Searching for sort of people who are equally skilled in all directions um isn't not really going to serve your most creative or brilliant work. Um, Like there might be people who are amazingly empathetic or incredibly technically skilled, but they may not like fly in those traditional recruitment practices.
0: At BBH, our chairman was a a man called Jim Carroll and a very empathetic human being. And he always used to talk about a theory of his, which was the amplified self. And he said that in in modern sort of management practice or in modern recruitment practices, there's this tendency to look for people who are a little bit good at everything. And he said, actually, that's not what we want. We want people who are really, really good at one thing. And that may make them very flawed in other areas. But what we want is excellence in one thing. And I think it's a much more it's much more human and it's it's a much better way of looking at, at people's potential. Because if you just recruit a bunch of people who are like middlingly good at everything, you're just going to get a middlingly good output. I'm interested to know because obviously with the lockdown, we have a very different working experience. When you take out all of the cues that tell you somebody has a disability and a lot of the the challenges of kind of getting into and out of an office or working within an office or all those sort of things kind of disappear in a working environment like this and I wonder if if that's just my assumption as somebody who doesn't know enough about it or whether or not you think there's some good things that can come out of the lockdown in terms of how people with disabilities get into the careers they want to get into.
1: Yeah I think it's been a really interesting time. Um I work in the training and consultancy team at Leonard Cheshire so we work with lots of different organisations across sectors and support them to understand disability, adopt a best practice approach and sort of work in more inclusive ways. And those conversations have definitely um, continued during lockdown, I think. So I think certainly in my experience working in lockdown, obviously, we've, well, a lot of people have transitioned to working in more remote or flexible ways. And I've seen lots of organisations really taking the time to have really good conversations with their teams. So managers checking in with their employees, whether or not that's, you know, formal one to ones or the kind of informal check-ins. And I think in doing that, we're perhaps getting to know the people we work with a little bit more. And I've certainly heard of more conversations happening in a more organic way, because people are sharing more information about perhaps even how they like to work that might not be disability related or it might be because there's a particular method of working which is more suitable for someone or removes a barrier for someone. I don't think if we've invested all this time into having those conversations over the last two months that we're suddenly going to snap back to not having them because I think we've got to know each other and we're asking people, how are you? And we're actually listening to the answer. And I think that very kind of personalised way of working is actually a really positive lockdown legacy. And I really, really hope it continues. And I also hope that employers see the value in applying that level of sort of almost personalization to recruitment as well and understanding that jobs can be done from home and jobs can be done flexibly. I think previously we've perhaps seen a a hesitation from organisations who have a strong office culture that this job must be done in the office because that's how it's always been done and that's the environment we like to work in. If we've proven anything over the last two months, we've proven that a lot of jobs can be done from home that maybe we didn't think was possible before. And lots of organisations have also spent quite a lot of money in making their workforce agile or giving them the software or giving them the equipment to work from home I think with that amount of technological financial and sort of managerial investment I don't think we're going to go back to how we used to work before and I think for disability and employment I think that's probably a good thing as well.
2: I've been working on an emergency service in response to the outbreak And we have um, been going through remote usability testing at sort of a breakneck pace because we are trying to do things as fast as we can while also um, trying to keep quality really high. I think we will probably be one of the last teams to go back if we do go back because we've discovered how much we are able to do remotely and we're all um, going through this massive period of change and hopefully we will come out the other side Um, a more autonomous liberated and creative uh, group of people
0: if you'd like to find out more about the change 100 program or leonard cheshire's training and consultancy services email training at leonardcheshire.org or get in touch with verity ailing smith directly That's it for this episode of the Total Experience podcast from Tribal London. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to hear your ideas for future episodes, so please feel free to get in touch via info at tribalworldwide.co.uk. That's info at tribalworldwide.co.uk. And of course, like, share, subscribe, and rate us in your favourite podcasting app. I've been Richard Cable. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and stay safe.